Movement Church family. It is so good to be with you on this very sweet Sunday morning. Um, Huge congratulations to our seniors. If you know any of them personally, be sure to reach out. Give them a ton of love. Um, What an awkward year to graduate, and we want them to know that they're loved. They belong to a family. They've achieved something great, and so be sure to reach out to them personally. Hey, listen up. If you're new, which means maybe this is the first time that you've joined us online or you've joined us for a couple of times, and that means you've heard me say this before, but you haven't stepped in and done this, if you could take your smart device, you're probably no further than two feet away from it. If you could take it, it looks a little bit something like this if you need a little jar to your memory. If you could open up your uh, messaging, your text app, and if you could text NEW111 to 94090, that would be awesome. Uh, We want to personally reach out to you. We want you to let you know how much you're loved, how much you belong. We want to give you some information, but more importantly, we would love to hear from you. What is it right now we can be praying for you for? And we're going to give you some real practical next steps in your journey here at the Movement Church as a follower of Jesus. So if you could text NEW111 to 94090. We're going to be in the book of John chapter 20. We've been in this passage for the past couple of weeks. Probably the best thing that you can do, if you're just joining us or perhaps you missed a couple Sundays, go to our YouTube channel. We do our very best to always have fresh content on our YouTube channel. Just go to it and click that subscribe because we want you to stay up to date when we put stuff up there for you guys. We are going to start out, I'm not going to read the entire passage. I will just say that last week we talked about repentance, and I'm not going to get into the whole description, but basically this is it. That repentance simply means to turn. That we were headed one direction, and we turn, we repent, we turn away from the direction we're heading. And the direction we're heading is, I'm heading toward death. I'm heading toward destruction. I'm going to turn my back on that, and I'm going to turn toward Jesus, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Today, though, we're going to talk about something that we cannot leave out when we speak about repentance. The two of them are actually married together, and we need to have this conversation, family. So we're going to talk for the next two weeks about forgiveness. Today, we're going to talk about me being forgiven, so forgiving me or forgiving you, and that's the vertical part of forgiveness. That's the part where we are forgiven by a loving God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But next week, we're going to talk about one that perhaps is a little bit tougher. I know that sometimes in my life, I feel like, God, you have forgiven me, but I'm having a hard time forgiving, maybe forgiving the people around me. So next week, we're going to talk about forgiving them. And you probably have a them in your life. Today, though, we're going to talk about forgiving me. Let's jump in really quickly into John chapter 20. We're going to start, let's start in verse 17. John 20, verse 17. If you're following with our app, I put all the scripture in there. Let's jump down to verse 17. This story that we've been running through for the last handful of weeks is the story of a woman named Mary who comes to the tomb of Jesus after Jesus is crucified and the tomb is empty. She goes and she tells John and Peter. John and Peter come. They see that it's empty. Mary's left standing there weeping. Jesus shows up and speaks to her and says, Mary. And in that moment, she realizes that Jesus is alive. And this is where we pick up in the story in verse 17. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them. So Jesus is going to send Mary on a mission. 
Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Now, this is interesting because Jesus just made it even more personal. Jesus made it personal by coming and doing what we couldn't do for ourselves. By dying on the cross, an innocent man, an innocent being, he dies on the cross, he makes it personal. He steps in personally. Now he's making it more personal by saying, I have not gone to my father, who by the way is your father. He's putting us in the same category as him, as son and as daughter. He's saying, I haven't gone to my father, who by the way is your father, or my God, who is your God. And up until the time of Jesus dying for us and overcoming death and sin in his resurrection, God was not a personal God, and we always required something in between. And so here we have Jesus who said, I have created, I am now making it personal for you. God is your God and he is your father. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And in verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you, exclamation point. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. In verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, Jesus now has a mission for us, for the disciples. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, in this moment, Jesus introduces something very important. He introduces forgiveness as a core principle of his ministry. So he says, I am going to send you. Then he breathes on them, and then he gives them this core principle. He, he brings forgiveness in, and he starts speaking about forgiveness. I want to define broadly, so this is just kind of a global, a very, like a very macro definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift. Forgiveness is a gift for reconciling what has been broken relationally. Forgiveness is a gift for reconciling what has been broken relationally. What has been broken relationally? Real quickly, this is I, I, I want to really make sure we grab a hold of some fundamental foundational things. What has been broken relationally? The relationship between God and man was broken when Adam, in the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, when we read that Adam and Eve, they stepped in and committed the first sin. Sin means to miss the mark. God told them, do not do this thing. And they made the mistake. They missed the mark they didn't hit the target of obedience, and they stepped in, and they sinned. And they began to bow to the power of Satan in their life because Satan tempted them. So now Satan is a stakeholder in the life of humanity. This is important for us to understand this. 
So forgiveness is the gift for reconciling what has been broken relationally. What was broken relationally? The relationship between God and man. This is what was broken relationally. We're going to talk about three things today. Number one, forgiveness comes at a cost. Number two, it requires repentance. And number three, it releases freedom. Now, I'm going to define forgiveness on a little bit more of a micro level. I'm going to get real, real nitty-gritty on this. Forgiveness means to pardon absolution. It means exoneration, mercy, acquittal. It means to wipe away or to wipe out. The opposite of forgiveness is punishment. The opposite of forgiveness is punishment. Now, you might say to me, Pat, you know, that's nice, this whole forgiveness idea, but what do I need forgiveness for? You know, Adam and Eve, that's cool, but what do I need forgiveness for? We simply need forgiveness from our wrongdoings. Look, let's just, let's just level the playing field. Regardless of where you're listening from, in terms of your perspective of who God is, I guarantee you in the last seven days you've made a mistake. I guarantee you, you possibly have offended somebody. I guarantee you, you have misstepped. I guarantee you, you've had to apologize to somebody or perhaps you need to apologize to somebody. If you haven't, you may, you need, may need to go and make that right. But what I'm saying to you is, is that all of us make mistakes. All of us fall short of perfection. Nobody's perfect. That doesn't, that doesn't require faith in a God to admit that no one's perfect. That's simply all that I'm saying. Forgiveness actually is, we're being forgiven from wrongdoings, from missing the mark. In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have missed the mark. That word sinned, missed the mark. For all have missed the mark. Not some have missed the mark. There's not an elite status to society. We, we like to put people on pedestals and think that they're perfect and everything they say we're just going to bow to. But the problem is, is they're imperfect. They could be wrong, even if their bank accounts are big. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what needs to happen? A life has to be taken to substitute the life of the sinner. A life has to be taken in substitution for the life of the person who is imperfect and sometimes gets it wrong. And so God is a good God. He doesn't leave us hanging there. And in Hebrews 9, it says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, that sounds pretty gruesome, but let me make this really clear to you. Forgiveness requires a sacrifice in order to pay the debt of sin. And what did I say? God is such a good God, he was not going to leave us separated relationally. So what does he do? God sent his son Jesus as the sacrifice and he bled on the cross. He was murdered to cover and pay the debt of our sin. He, he was the sacrifice that was judged to pay the price. 
John 3.16, one of the most famous verses. You may have never gone to church, but you might have heard someone say this. John 3.16 says this. You know, the guy on every football, and we're going to get back to football someday. You know, when it, with the guy holding up the sign, says, John 3.16, when everyone's kicking the field goal, what's that, what does that mean? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he did what? He sent his one and only son. That was a sacrifice, by the way. It costs something. Forgiveness comes at a cost. Forgiveness comes at a cost. For God so the Lord that he sent, he sacrificed, he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not die, but should have everlasting life. God made the sacrifice and sent his one and only son, and Jesus was willing to step in to humanity as a sacrifice and bear the burden and pay the price for our sin. Forgiveness, I, I want us to grab a hold. This is, this, is, this is a very fundamental key to understanding forgiveness right here. We need to understand this vertically, and we have to grab a hold of what I'm about to say so that we can walk into next week and we start talking about forgiving other people. Listen to this. Forgiveness is based on God's desire to reconcile our relationship Forgiveness is based on God's desire to reconcile our relationship with him. It is not based on us deserving it. I'm going to say this again in total. Forgiveness is based on God's desire to reconcile our relationship to him. It is not based on us deserving it. Forgiveness comes at a cost, and Jesus Christ paid the price as the sacrifice. Number two, forgiveness requires repentance. Now, I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to dive really deeply into repentance, but we talked about it last week. Again, you can go back and watch last week's message on YouTube, and, <clears throat> but this is what I want to say about repentance. Acts 5.31 says, God exalted him. Who is him? Jesus. Okay? I'm going to make this, I want to make sure that this is very plain. God exalted him. Who is him? Jesus. So now I'm not going to use the word him. I'm going to use the word Jesus. God exalted Jesus to his own right hand. Whose right hand? To God's right hand. So God exalted Jesus to his own right hand. Right here. This is where Jesus is at, next to God. As prince... Prince of what? Prince of the kingdom that the king, God, is ruler of. There, God is king. Every kingdom needs a king. God is king of his kingdom, and that is all of creation. God is king over all his creation. And the prince, his son, is the prince of that kingdom. So God exalted Jesus to his own right hand as prince and as savior. Savior of what? What did Jesus save? Jesus saved all of humanity from having to pay the debt of their sin by stepping in and becoming the sacrifice and paying the price. So I'm going to read this again. God exalted Jesus to his own right hand as prince and as savior that he, who's he, Jesus, might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. Now you go, Pat, what does Israel have to do with me? When you read scripture, specifically in the New Testament, the, when you see Israel, a lot of times what it's doing is, is it's, it's metaphorically speaking about 
humanity, people, his people, God, who are God's people? All the people that turn to God. If you choose, you are Israel, you are part of that people. So let me read this again. God exalted Jesus. Are you catching this yet? <laughs> you know, God exalted Jesus to his own right hand as prince and as savior that he might bring all of his people to what? Repentance and forgive their sins. Repentance comes before forgiveness. Jesus creates, this is what this is saying, Jesus Christ creates the entry point of repentance. It's like a doorway. Jesus Christ creates the entry point of repentance for us to step into the Father's forgiveness. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by what? Say it with me. Except through me. Jesus Christ is the doorway. This is the gate. He's the way to step in. So Jesus now gives you personal access to the forgiveness of the Father. This, so I, I want to paint a picture for you. So this is what happens. We turn. We say, I'm headed this direction. This direction is not following Jesus. Jesus is walking that direction. So as Jesus walks this direction... Jesus is walking with the Father. Jesus is at the right hand of the forgiving Father. That means wherever Jesus is going, he's carrying forgiveness. If I'm heading this direction, I'm not following Jesus, but I'm also not following and stepping into the forgiveness of the Father. So I'm headed this direction. And I now am the one who has to pay the punishment. I have to pay the debt of my sin, the consequence of my sin. And there's this moment of repentance, and repentance, we said last week, was the turning. I turn 180 degrees. I turn my back on what's old. I turn my back on the old man. I turn my back on my old debts. I turn my back on the things that are in my past. I turn my back on the death, my back on the destruction, and I now turn and I face Jesus. I, this is what happens. I'm facing death and I say, I believe in Jesus. And I turn 180 degrees and I say, I believe in Jesus. Now, I need to follow Jesus. Sometimes what happens is, is we turn and we say, I believe Jesus. Jesus, you're the prince. Jesus, you're the savior. And Jesus is walking with the Father. Jesus is, he, he, he's walking, following with the Father, walking with the forgiveness. And we turn and we stop and we say, we believe in you. Get, look at you walk. You're just such a good walker, Jesus. We believe in you. We just don't follow. And let me tell you something. Jesus Christ has given us the ability, and he's the doorway, repentance, of turning. He's the entry point for us to be able to step into the forgiveness of the Father. And too many times, we turn, believe in Jesus, stop short of stepping into following, and never truly step into, through repentance, step into the promise that God has given us, and that's complete forgiveness. And Jesus Christ is now giving you personal access to this forgiveness of the Father. Repentance becomes the door we step through so that we can receive this gift 
Repentance is the doorway that you and I get to step through to receive this gift that the Father has called forgiveness. And remember, it's his desire to reconcile us relationally. It's not because we deserve it, but it's because Jesus Christ has done the unthinkable and he's paid the price. And with Jesus, we say, you know what, Jesus, you're at the right hand. I get to step into forgiveness and I get to be with you at the right hand. I am now seated. It says in scripture that we are seated with him in heavenly places. And where is he in heavenly places? He's at the right hand of the Father. Walking in what? Walking in forgiveness. Walking with what? Walking with forgiveness. When we turn and we turn our back on what's dead and old and we repent and we step into forgiveness and we follow Jesus, we are walking in the freedom of our forgiveness. Number three, forgiveness releases freedom. Colossians 2.13, man, I love this scripture. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. We just talked about that. Man, he, he, gave, he made us alive. We are now walking with Jesus alive. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Okay, this is everything we just talked about which stood against us and condemned us. And he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. This is the part that I want us to focus on for a second. And having disarmed the powers and authorities. Let, hold on, let's stop for a second. Having disarmed the, the powers and Who are the powers and authorities? The powers and authorities are Satan and all of his minion. Those are the powers and authorities. And God has disarmed all of the powers and authorities. He's disarmed Satan and his minion through what? Through his forgiveness of our sins because Jesus Christ went to the cross. So having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Ha! This is what this says. Making a public spectacle of them means that he made them the laughing stock of all of creation. God gave you forgiveness for you to step into, to follow Jesus. And as you walk in forgiveness, you make Satan a laughing stock. You make Satan the laughing stock of humanity, of creation. Sometimes I think the enemy wants to make you think you're the laughing stock, but the truth is that is, that, that is his insecurity and his own fear. When you step into forgiveness, Satan becomes a laughing stock. And the key word here is that he is disarmed. The word disarm means to divest. Earlier I said that when Adam and Eve first sinned, that Satan now had the power of being a stakeholder in the heart of humanity. And what is God saying? That word disarm means to divest. Oh man, this is a beautiful picture. You got to catch this. I want you to catch this. This is powerful. When I turn and I repent and I step into forgiveness, it disarms, it divests. It says to the enemy, enemy, I no longer am, am attached to what you want me. I am not entangled to, I am not enslaved to whatever it is that you want me to do. The cord has been cut. You don't have a seat at the table any longer. You are not an executive voice in the decisions of my life any longer. The cord has been cut from sin. 
God says that when you step into, through repentance, into his forgiveness, and you experience the freedom that begins to be released in your life, that the enemy is made the laughing stock, the cable is cut, and he is divested. He no longer has a share in your life. He no longer has power. He doesn't have a voting right into your heart. Sin gave Satan a stakeholder position, and God, through his son Jesus Christ, just divested Satan. And it says that triumphing over them by the cross. That word triumph is to like shout and sing out loud in a repetitive, sharp fashion. It would be something like this. It would be like every time somebody turns in repentance and steps into forgiveness, what happens is the enemy's divested, the cable's been cut, that we're released into freedom, and all of creation begins to chant. We win. We win. We win. Can you imagine right now all of creation shouting and exclaiming, triumphantly exclaiming, we win, at the top of their line? I mean, I just imagine like huge stadiums in Europe full of like soccer fans or like Brazil, World Cup, massive levels and people just, and they're just, we win, we win. I mean, this is what creation is doing triumphantly and Satan is left there and he's made the laughing stock of creation. (laughs) Because you chose, you chose to repent and turn and step in to the freedom of forgiveness. <laughs> Man, there's freedom for you this morning. As we wrap up this morning, listen. Forgiveness frees you. It comes at a cost. It requires repentance. And it releases freedom. And this morning, God wants to release freedom in your life. I'm telling you, some of you are stuck because you've turned, but you haven't stepped in to accept the forgiveness. By the way, you're standing in forgiveness. You're standing holding the present on Christmas morning, but you haven't opened it. You haven't experienced it. You haven't lived in it. And God wants to give you freedom this morning. The guilt and the shame that Satan wants you to hold on to, he said, no, I've released you from that. The cable's been cut. He's been divested. He's the laughing stock. By the way, I, I created you to be born into the winning team. And all of creation is shouting over you right now. We win. We win. Let's pray. I'm going to close my eyes because that's what I feel comfortable doing right now. If, if maybe you're scrambling eggs or doing something or driving, I don't know what you're doing. You can't close your eyes. That doesn't matter. You know, it's actually irrelevant. What I want is, is I want your heart to be focused. Whatever that takes, just focus your heart for a second. Here's a question I have for you. God's desire is to have all of you. God's desire is not to have part of you. God's desire is not to be an executive on the board of your life, sharing in parts of your heart. God always wanted a full relationship with all of you, and his forgiveness is that act of reconciliation. 
But here's my question. Are you willing to allow him to have it all? Are you willing to allow God to have all of you? Then when I say step into the freedom of his forgiveness, are, 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 are you standing at the edge of the pool called forgiveness? Are you dipping your toe in? Are you doing one of these real quick moves? You, just, you, do, you want to check temperature of the water? And God's saying, you just need to dive in. You need to jump in. You need to get into the stream. You need to get into the pool. You need to get into the water of freedom and of life. You need to get into the place. You need to swim and be immersed in my freedom this morning. Are you willing to go all in? What part of your life are you trying to hold on to? What part of your life do you feel like is still attached? I'm here to tell you that you, your heart has been divested from the enemy. He is disarmed. He has no place. He has no power. He has no voice into your life any longer. So Lord, I pray right now for a complete release of freedom. God, that next week as we talk about forgiving them, that the other part of stepping into freedom is releasing other people. We're going to get to it. It's a tough one. I know this is going to be hard. You're going to have a bunch of questions, but what if so-and-so did X, Y, Z to me? Am I supposed to forget? How am I? I get there's going to be questions, but we're going to focus on Jesus and what he said right now. Right now, I want you to focus on this, giving all of who you are to God. Family, we are moving forward on mission, bringing forgiveness and reconciliation so that we can stand and say, Jesus, you can have everything. You can have it all. We look forward to the moment, very soon we hope, where we get to see you face to face and shoulder to shoulder. Until then, stand firm and triumphing and shouting and laughing in the face of the enemy and simply saying, we win, we win, we win. We love you. We'll see you soon.